0: Okay, good morning, Belton Church of Christ. How is everybody doing? Do you remember me? Because I remember you. Y'all are at the other end of 35 every Sunday morning. That's what y'all it's good to be back. It's been too long since I've seen you all. And it's good to be back in one of my home churches. And I've been missing you all. Uh, you all have been told me you've been keeping up with me a little bit on Facebook. I've been doing some drumming here lately, so, uh, so we've been having some fun doing that. Things have been wild. I'm still teaching at the university, and uh, we've made it through COVID, and we're coming out through that. The counseling program has exploded. Uh, we've never seen such a demand for counseling or people in training for counseling, so we're just as busy as we can be. Both the kids are still police officers and going crazy, doing all their jobs and doing all that good stuff. And uh, I've been working with you all behind the scenes uh, and uh, came down, Richie, I guess about a month ago, right before Christmas, and met with the elders and the staff, and we went through the Congregational Health Assessment, and uh, they asked me to come back and uh, come back and share with you the results of that. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Is that okay? Uh, I I have... uh, I started my work with y'all, I was looking back at it about 2000, late 14, about 2015 when we were in that transition at that point in time and then um, uh, worked through that transition, Richie came in, you've rebuilt your staff, new eldership is on board, you had a lot of good things. Of all the lessons that, uh, probably of all the lessons that I've shared with you all, uh, this one is going to be the most important in terms of of results that we're seeing, which are very, very good. And then the decisions that you all will need to be thinking about making as a congregation. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna be sharing with you this morning the results of the CHA. And then as we go through that, specifically talking to you about some decisions that uh, you as a church need to be thinking about and talking about and praying about and deciding kind of on some directions that you and the eldership wanna go. So we got a lot to do this morning. Let's get on into it. I'm going to be moving pretty quickly, so uh, I tell my classes, just listen fast and hang on to me. Uh, This is a summary. This slide is kind of busy, but we've done the congregational health assessment three times here. We did it in 2016, which is the uh, blue bar. We did it in um, 2018, which is the black, and then we've just finished it in 2021, and there are the different areas of measurement, vision, ministries, family, discipleship, worship, congregational culture, leadership, church relationships, finance, and facilities. And basically, the overview that we're seeing here is back in 2016, you were in transition, and as you would expect, things were kind of low at that point in time. The red areas were areas that needed some improvement, uh, vision and ministries, percentage of uh, Family life stages congregational values and leadership. Those were all areas under stress the yellow areas once again go back to 16 uh, Once again, the yellow areas which were need improvement uh, This was 16 were spiritual formation church relationships and finance and worship uh, in 16 was in good shape when we did in 18 Uh, We made an improvement made a significant improvement. We brought uh, five areas worship still was a good area for us. We brought five areas up into the moving into a healthy area ministries vision spiritual formation leadership church relations and finance and facilities. And that meant that our transition had been working really, really well. We'd been doing some good things and y'all been doing some good work. There were two areas that still needed some improvement, which was family life stages and then the congregational culture and values. So that was in 18. When you all took the uh, CHA this time in, in, in the fall, you did that work, we saw an improvement once again and so in 2020, currently, uh, we see two areas that are in the healthy area uh, worship and finance and facilities. There's another six areas that are in the moving in the right direction, uh, which is vision, ministries, family stages, spiritual formation, leadership, and church relationships. And then there's one that's still in that needing some improvement, which is congregational culture and values which I'll talk uh, just a little bit about at the end of my message today. I'll have a word or two to say about what we could do about that. But the good news is that what we wanna say about this is we've got two areas that are in the strong area, which is worship and finance and facilities. These other six, if you look at the numbers, they're almost in the green area. They're almost in the healthy area. So they're moving up in that direction so what we would say basically is a summary about this there's there's several conclusions that i would that i would draw from this for you guys uh the first one is uh things are moving in the right direction and they have been for several years and and the work you all are doing as a congregation is in the right direction and i'll just tell you and i I say this to a lot of folks because i do a lot of consulting around The church that I came to back in 2015 and the church that I walk into today in Belton, you all, you're the same, but you're significantly different. Uh, You're the same lovable people. I love you to death, but there's a different atmosphere and feeling and and this is just a different place. Dave, would you agree with that? Does it feel different to you all as well? It does to me, because I come and go, and and the change is palatable, and it's a good change, and it's just wonderful. So what we're saying is that given another year, 18 months, two years, as you're moving this direction, those other um, six that are in the yellow are likely going to move into green because they're almost there already. So we're headed in the right direction. Does that make sense? So so we want to keep doing what we've been doing. Um, The other thing that we'll say about this is uh, we use the Congregational Health Assessment for lots of churches of Christ. And when we measure different churches, not just Belton, but churches around the country, they all look like this. So you all are very much in line with what's going on with other churches of Christ right now. Uh, So you're struggling with some of the same things, and we're seeing uh, improvement in some of the same areas. So it's very, very typical typical in that regard. So that's kind of an overview of what the results look like in terms of congregational health. There's a second area that I want to drill down into a little bit more, which is our next slide, which is the age group breakdowns. And as you look at this, I want you to come over. I've shown you this one before. This one is is real important because we want to drill down into a couple of things on this one. When you come across and you look at 45 through 54, is it 9%, and then 55 through 64 is 22, 65 through 74 is 28, and then 75 and above is 24%. So basically what we're saying here, that the Belt and Church of Christ um, is about 83% above the age of 45. So this is a congregation that is in middle adulthood and in mature adulthood. And, and so this is the age group uh, breakdowns, really important. When you look at below 45, you see 11%, 5%, 1%, and then 0%. So, this is a congregation that is is maturing. And and we talked about this a couple of years ago, and I want to drill down into it a little bit more with you this morning to talk about where do we go from here based upon this. Because there's, in my estimation, there's two big, um, say two, Don, not one. There's, that's two. (laughs) I'm not a statistician. There's two big conclusions that need to be drawn from this. At least, if 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 I were if if I were with you all the time, that I would that I would be looking at. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is what I'm going to talk about is mature adults ministry. Uh, a congregation that is aging, a congregation that is in middle adulthood, uh, elderhood, and then old age is. really should have an intentional ministry to that group of people. Um, One of the best churches I worked on staff with uh, had a big group of 39ers, and they had a 39ers ministry. And they traveled together, they took care of one another, folks that moved in from out of town, they didn't have relatives, they watched out, they took care of the widows. When they were in the hospital, they took care, they, they were on vacations together. And if you wanted to do anything at that particular church, you had to factor in the 39ers because they were a force to be dealt with. And I would just recommend that as you all think about moving forward, you think about doing some intentional planning for your folks that are in middle late adulthood and then in elderhood versus just kind of dismissing them and going okay well they've been around we'll let them take care of themselves Uh, because there's a great deal of uh, power experience resources in that particular group and they're they're very very important My mother, uh, I have two mothers. Uh, My birth mother is 82, she's up in Vermont. My adopted mother is 97 and she has Alzheimer's and she's in an Alzheimer's unit in in Dallas and I take care of her and that's another full-time job that I've got. And my mom and dad were, um, he was an elder at the White Rock Church of Christ in Dallas for 25 years. And she has outlived her generation. Uh, All her friends are gone and she's been forgotten by her church. I get a call once maybe every three years or so from the church secretary that happens to remember that the hibbert family was a member of that church. Uh, my dad designed the building, he drew the plans for it. We, we were core, um, but we're invisible now because time moves on. My point being, I, th- I think there's a reason why in the Old Testament, the verse appears over and over again that says, remember the widow, the orphan, and the stranger in the land. Did you take care of your folks that have borne the burden during the heat of the day, as, as we used to say. The other thing that's gonna happen is there's gonna be a great need for pastoral care on the part of, of this group. Uh, the staff's gonna be you know, taking care of these folks and, and doing a lot of work in that, in that regard. I could spend all morning talking about the importance of this, but I think you get what I'm saying. In, in the past, I think sometimes when I talk about the age group breakdowns, the misinterpretation was Don was saying, we need to forget about the old folks and you just take about building, growing young again. And that's not at all what I was saying. What I'm saying is I think it's a both and. Does that make sense? I think it's something that requires some attention on both different. Different, different areas. So that a mature adults ministry is something that I think is the first thing that you as a congregation could begin to have a conversation about what are we going to do and what might that look like and what opportunities does that give us? Let's, let's move on. That second group, that 45 and under, when we look at churches, not just the Belton Church of Christ, but when we look at churches in general in the United States, that generation is missing. That's the millennial generation. So the millennial generation is the second baby boom. They're the largest generation number-wise in American history. Uh, You can see up there, uh, they are racially diverse. 43% are non-white, one in five uh, have an immigrant parent, uh, their parents tend to be active in their lives, even as they're adults. These are the children of the baby boomers, and they we call them the millennials. The shaping events that they experienced were 9-11, Columbine, and the Oklahoma City bombing. So lots of real negative events shaped them growing up. They're politically independent. About 50% will say that they don't affiliate with either party. And the big one for those of us in church work is they generally distrust institutions. They distrust churches. They distrust universities where I work. They distrust institute government. They just don't trust institutions at all. And they're our first technology generation. They're the ones that we turn to, to try and program our remote control and they roll their eyes at us. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about, cause that's the generation that is missing in y'all's chart. Does that make sense? When we go down into that low number below 45, that's that millennial generation. So let's talk a little bit about their spirituality. And, and the number one thing that you wanna take home from this one is that first statement right there, which is called the dropout phenomenon when you look at your age group breakdown and you look at that big bunch above 45 and then you look at that next bunch that is below 45, that millennial generation that's missing, that pattern of millennials not being present in mainline churches in the United States and even abroad is characteristic across churches. In other words, millennials left local churches in large droves as they grew up and they have not returned and likely are not going to return to the institutional church and we're going to talk a little bit about that but if I were any church I go into any church I work with or the people that I work with that do church consulting whoever we're working with that absence of that generation is characteristic and it's the dropout phenomena. They've left church and they're gone. Um, the second thing that we want to mention is postmodern thinking. Postmodern thinking. The thing that shapes the millennial generation is something that's very, very new to our culture and it's postmodernism. Um, The way I explained it to the elders and the staff was like this. There are four generations alive today. There is, in elderhood, the silent generation. The silent generation were the kids that didn't fight in World War II. And they're aging and unfortunately dying off. That's the silent generation. They are a Christian-thinking generation. The next generation was the baby boomers. That was at one time the biggest generation, Um, they're the kids of the World War II generation and they are in approaching elderhood and mature adulthood. So that's the second generation. But they share a similar worldview to the silent generation. The third generation that is alive today is in middle adulthood and that's Gen X. And, and, and they're third generation, and they're in middle adulthood, but they still, these three generations, Gen X, Baby Boomer, and, and Silent, share a common, basic Christian worldview uh, and, and do not view religion and Christianity in the way that the millennials do. The Millennials is a fourth generation. There's actually a fifth one, Generation Y, over here that's in childhood, but Generation 4 is the Millennials. And there is a shift, and that shift, they are not like the other three because they, they have a postmodern view. And that postmodern view is not a Christian-oriented view toward life values and their life experience. What does it entail? Well, number one, they view their experience above learned knowledge. So when I teach them in class at the university, I may be sharing with them material from the field of marriage and family, and they may look at me and go, well, that doesn't mean anything to me because that's not what I experienced. And their experience is as valuable as the textbook. Does that make sense? And you're like going, okay, that's not how I'm wired up. I understand. Number two, street smarts are above book smarts. So they're going to view, I really don't need to learn anything because I've learned what I need to through my own experience. So the way, for instance, that that impacts the church is they are not at all interested or impacted by expository preaching. You say, I'm going to be preaching a series on the book of Matthew, and they're going to go, okay, well, what's Matthew, and what on earth would that have to do with my life? And that sounds boring to me. There's just no connection there at all. These three generations grew up with a view of church as, church as an educational institution. We're going to learn, we're going to dig into the text, and that's not where they're coming from intuitive above analytical. They're going to go with a gut feel. They're going to go with their own experience and then learn by experience and not particularly by authority. Um, so this whole term of spiritual but not religious basically saying they view themselves as spiritual individuals but they don't view themselves as belonging to an institutionalized church. That's, that's not how they see themselves. So. How do we connect with them? If they're so different from the other three and the age group has dropped, they're not present, what do we do? Do we just give up? I've had the opportunity the last year to work with uh, Dr. Sarah Blakeney. And Sarah did her doctorate at Gordon Cromwell over in Scotland, did her PhD. And her area of specialization was millennial spirituality. How do you interest that generation in anything related to the Word of God? And what she discovered, and we talk about this regularly, is there's, there's three things that connect with them. Number one is testimony. In other words, the way to connect with the millennial generation regarding the Word of God is probably going to be not book, chapter, and verse as much as it's going to be Terence telling the story of his life and how God worked through him. Does that make sense? So it's more of a testimonial approach to spirituality. Number two, they are really impacted by relationships. So you form a relationship with them, and then you're able to influence them from a spiritual standpoint. And they're very influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of them grew up in battered families and have had difficult times growing up. And the healing power of the Holy Spirit really connects with them. The idea, she says, is to avoid the tendency to colonize them into the old order. Attempting to shoehorn them into established churches is simply not working. In my day, I hate to say it this way, I'm getting to be an old timer here, but we would go out and we would figure out a program, and we'd institute a new ministry and a program to attract whoever we wanted to attract, right? And that's not how this is going to work. So I'm having to rethink my whole way of thinking about approaching. So what are our options? Churches options at this point in time. So if we've got three generations with one worldview and one generation with another worldview and there's a shift then in the way they view spirituality, what are our options? Well... I'm your consultant, and I think a consultant's job is not to decide for folks what they should do, but to give people lots of options. So the options seem to be, number one, we hold tight and hope. We just keep doing what we've always been doing in the hopes that they're going to change and come over here to us. Or maybe we'll magically come up with the right program that's going to figure this thing out. Okay, that's option number one. Number two some churches are going and deciding they're going to go plant a new church and you can certainly do that the difficulty with that is what I call the mini me phenomena and I see a lot of churches that are trying to reach a new generation but they go and they plant a new church that's an identical version of what what they were and then they wonder why nobody new comes And what they've done is they've split the church. Half of them go here, half of them go there. They don't have enough resources to hold both of them up. And guess what happens to the both of them? They both struggle and and fail. Dr. Blakeney has worked with a number of churches that are trying to reach millennials that are using a new approach. And it takes a bit of rewiring, but it's called a missional church approach. And the idea there being that, instead of trying to bring them to us, we go to them. So I'm going to talk to you for a minute just a little bit about the missional church. It's taking the church to the people. It's actually following the example of Jesus. If you remember Jesus, when he goes and he meets the woman at the well who is a Samaritan, he sat down in her neighborhood. He sat down in her place he met her where she was you know i was thinking about it this week it's real interesting when jesus came to earth he didn't establish a synagogue someplace and ask everybody to come to him he went to what he went to them he went to them and so it's the salvation by association it's actually very very biblical um, it builds on the big three testimony relationships and the holy spirit And millennials are being reached and mobilized to serve immediately. One of the interesting things about millennials and their spirituality is they want to get involved right now. In my life, it's always, well, you'll become a member of the church and then we'll train you, and then later on when you're mature, we'll put you into working. They're not that way. They want to get busy right now and learn as they go. So what are some of these churches doing that are that are examples of this missional church. We've got a church that's just down the road from me in Dallas, and it's an old established church that's been there forever. And it's just like you all are. It's got the big group of mature adults and nobody in the young, younger groups. And across the street from them is a strip center. And they went in and they leased... And put in a coffee shop. And they've got a coffee shop that's run by the church there. And then they'll have their ministers in there. Sitting and drinking coffee and meeting people. And they have Bible studies in there at times. Or they have people in there meeting people. But it's a millennial coffee shop. It's designed for millennials to go in there. And they're building relationships with those people. And then bringing them into communion with the church. Whole different wiring. Um, you all I'll I'll pick on some of the work you all are doing Richie and I were talking about this a little bit earlier you all have your Christmas store that you do here right Richie and you bring people in from the neighborhoods and uh, provide them with the opportunity to buy things at a low cost well that's meeting people where they are And those millennial families can come and can take part of that and then build a relationship there. There were a group of guys that uh, decided that they were going to start a millennial outreach at a Cracker Barrel. And so they'd get together uh, every Thursday, and they'd have breakfast together, and they'd invite people in, they'd drink coffee, and they'd begin building those relationships there at a Cracker Barrel. So can a Cracker Barrel be a church? Yeah, I think it probably can. Uh, Can a Christmas store be a church? It probably can uh you all have got great schools here in belton uh it may be adopting a school you do some of that work with the schools as well it's finding a school that's just filled with you know millennials or kids of millennials and adopting them and beginning to build those relationships with them uh uh in in, in, on their turf sarah blakeney the lady that did the research with me or whatever worked with a team i'm not recommending this but it's it shows how knew they're doing. She worked with a team that was going into um, strip clubs, and they would go in and minister to the exotic dancers there, and they had a team of women that would go in and try and meet spiritually and minister to those gals, and it became so popular that they literally would stop the performance and have these women conduct a devotional service during the nights that they were doing this. They have national conferences. I didn't know this. I'm not up on my adult dancing, sorry. But they when they had a booth there, they gave away 5,000 T-shirts from this ministry and 3,000 Bibles to these, to these women because someone decided we're going to go to them, not ask them to come to us. So the second big question is going to be, the first one is, what do we want to do with mature adult ministry? The second one's going to go, do we want to do something over here with millennials? If so, which option are we going to pick? Does that make sense? And and it'll be you thinking, and what I'm going to say to you is probably... You're not gonna go find it in a book or some other church doing it. It's probably gonna be your creativity. It's probably gonna be some innovation that you do here. It's probably gonna be dependent upon what you have around Belton that gives you an opportunity to do that. Let's keep moving on. Your positives. Your positives are tremendous. Um, I wish every church that I worked with had the positives lined up that Belton does. Your CHA is moving in the right direction. Um, You've got a great eldership and a great uh, ministry team here. Um, I love the former eldership that worked with me in that first transition, and they were great guys. And I love the eldership that you have right now. They are great guys, and they love this church. And this, uh, this ministry team you have here, the guys that are on staff are talented and they love this church. And Richie is just a great, great preacher. I wish we could clone him because I've got 25 congregations that would love to have him because he is a great preacher and he, he has a work ethic that is just unbelievable. There are a lot of positive things going on. You have financial resources. You've paid off your building, right? I mean, you've got money to work with. A lot of churches don't you've got a heritage of community involvement your dna this is a church that gets out in the community that's your dna historically and you've got new staff that are coming in and new members coming in with all kinds of uh expertise and the community has all kinds of opportunities you've got medical and and military and education there's lots of opportunities um I think there's two challenges Uh, and I'll mention this as as we're wrapping up. If I had to issue a warning about two things uh, at this point in time these would be my warnings and because I've been with you all so long and I think we trust one another I can say these things to you and I love you to death. The first one has to do with conflict. Churches have a difficult time with conflict and if you all decide we're going to start something new, we're going to head a new direction, or we're going to innovate and try something for millennials or try something for adult ministry, the vast majority of folks in this congregation are going to get on board, they're going to be behind it, and they're going to be positive, they're going to be involved, and we're going to be down the road. But God, in his infinite wisdom, assigns one naysayer to every congregation. I don't know why, but there's always One that's going to stand up and go, I don't know why we're having to do this, and rawr, 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 this that, and the other. And everybody looks around and goes, I wish they'd just sit down and shut up. <laughs> now, let me say a word about that. You know how they got rid of train robbers in the Old West? You'll only hear this here. They tried all kinds of things that didn't work. The way they got rid of uh, train robbers in the Old West was everybody on board the train decided, we're tired of train robbers. So they all started packing heat. So you're a train robber, you walked onto the train and grandma pulled down on you with a Derringer. And old Bubba leveled down on you with a double barrel shotgun. And a couple of the kids were looking at you with 45s. And then they started shooting at the bad guys from the train. It was like, oh my gosh. I believe we need to find something else to do besides riding trains. What am I saying to you? What I'm saying to you is sometimes to resolve conflict, the church needs to be the church. And we need to stand up and say when someone is bad-mouthing good things that are going on, hey, hey, we don't act like that around here. We love you to death, but if you keep doing that, we will shoot you. We will do it. So that's my first one. Be the church. Be the church and cleanse the body. When someone's misbehaving, Paul wrote to Titus on Crete, and he said, these folks must be silenced. That was a command. I'm just giving you that. The second one that I want to mention to you relates to the past, relates to the past. Out of the CHA, sometimes there's a tendency on the part of the Belton Church of Christ to be a little tentative to take risk. And I'll tell you what I think that is. No, I'll tell you what I know that is. This church has two histories. It had a huge, large, wonderful history with Joe B., And years and years of great ministry where this was the church that if you were in Belton or in Temple, everybody knew about the Belton Church of Christ because we were out there in the community. We had a DNA that was involved and things were rocking along. When he left, there was a series of a few years where things did not go real well. There was a bit of pain in there, and that's when you guys called me. Now, what does that have to do with the past? When you think about moving ahead and innovating and trying and 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 moving on down the road, you can remember either one of those pasts. If you remember that painful past and go, mm, we had some problems, you can kind of wring your hands and go, oh, mm, I'm not sure we need to be doing this. Or you can remember your true heritage, which was we're a congregation that is accustomed to taking chances, accustomed to being in the community, accustomed to connecting. By reaching millennials, by reaching mature adults, we are simply continuing to be what we have always been. Right? So what I'm saying to you is draw upon your real past, not your pseudo-past, okay? My text this morning, I saved to the end. My text this morning is Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. And it's the Great Commission. And my text this morning is just one word. If you were to say, Don, what is your recommendation to us based upon all this? It's one word. It's not even the whole verse. It's one word. And it's the first verb. What's the first verb? go go that is my recommendation to you as your consultant it's not time to study it anymore it's not time to argue about it anymore it's not time to do anything it's time to go it's time to get on down the road Uh, you have everything in the world you need god has provided to you resources good people great opportunity it's just time to go Things are healthy, and they're ready to go, and I'm looking forward to seeing where you're going to go. Are you ready to do it? All right, let's get going. It's such a pleasure to be a part of this congregation. I'm so proud of all of you and so proud of this leadership and so grateful that you all entrust me with the opportunities to be a part of this. Thank you so much.